Okay, hello everyone. I'm, uh, yeah, I know the video quality is not going to be very good, but I'm not really interested in that. I'm uh, recording this to, well, to satisfy a requirement for some study I've been doing. But I'm doing the studying because I think it's worthwhile, and I think it's something that uh, as Buddhists we often neglect. And I think Buddhist monks uh, often neglect this aspect of, of Buddhism. And that's the, the Buddhist relationship with nature. So this first part, I'm going to break it up into three parts. I'm going to try and keep these fairly short. But uh, the, the Buddhist relationship with nature can, I think, be broken up into at least three parts. There's three parts, three aspects to it that I've thought of. And the first one especially relates to, uh, relates to climate change. So you can think of this as my thoughts on climate change. So I've done videos before, at least one video on nature, Buddhism and nature, in which I probably said something like, nature and Buddhism, yeah, everything's nature, right? We're a part of nature. And that's true, I think. I think there's no... It's, it's not hard to understand how even uh, the artificial environments that we find ourselves in are, like this room, for example, is still a part of nature. In the same way as an anthill or a termite mound is a part of nature. But there's no denying that one useful classification of nature and natural is that which is separate from humanity, that which is not us. Right? So the things we create are artificial. That's, I think, a useful distinction. And the things which we don't create directly are, are natural. And as, uh, as Buddhists and Buddhism is so, so deeply concerned with the human that we do often uh, ignore or minimalize, Min minimalize, minimize, uh, trivialize, I think is the word I'm looking for, trivialize the role of, of nature and the importance of nature, the, the state of nature. So we say things, and I've said things, like um, the, the only important quality or, or the only important focus 
for a Buddhist is uh, is on on human hu human concerns, uh, greed, anger, delusion, and I think that's important because you you can't actually save the planet. Eventually, looking at the big long-term picture. Uh, the, the planet is doomed anyway. Right? I mean, nature is just a, just a temporary condition that we find ourselves in. We have these, uh, these surroundings, this environment, trees and so on are all temporary. Anyway, we're not going to have forests and waterfalls and rain and sun and snow forever. So I, I think be, being a, a hardcore environmentalist trying to, trying to save the planet is certainly not Buddhist. Uh, but I think what happens as a result is um, as I said, we, we trivialize nature. And some might argue that that's not a problem uh, for the reason I think that I've stated and for a more important reason and a more very Buddhist reason, I think a defendable reason, defensible reason, is that, um, and I firmly believe this, is that if we have no greed, anger, delusion, if human beings didn't have any of that, uh, then then there would be no problem with the environment. Environment environmental degradation would not happen. Uh, you know, people say, "Hey, all this Buddhism, it's it's unsustain unsustainable. Why? It's unsustainable because if everyone became Buddhist, there would be no humans. We would stop with no greed. We would stop having sexual intercourse. We would stop having children." And so, I mean, it's, I think that's a ridiculous. It's, it, we often have to hear that comment, but it's a bit ridiculous because it's not going to happen. There's, it, it, it doesn't happen. You can't imagine such a situation. Pulling more and more humans into practice only brings other beings along with them. As humans become more pure than the animals and the beings surrounding them become pulled in, become more pure as well, are therefore born as are thereby born as humans. And so you'd be pulling along the, basically the whole of, of Satta Loka, the whole of, uh, of uh, the universe of beings, which is really without end, as far as we're told, as far as we've been taught. But nonetheless, uh, a pure state of mind would, a general purity of, of consciousness on on this planet would never have got us into this situation you know we would not be consuming beyond our means of production and by means of production really I mean the, in terms of the planet our planet can no longer sustain us as humans and we're relying on it for air and water and food and it, it's not able to sustain us 
simply because of greed, because of well, greed, anger, and delusion. You know, anger is in terms of us not being able to share with each other. Delusion is in terms of clinging to things that self, me and mine, and, and issues of nationality and trade and, and really everything that backs up our greed. I deserve this and, and just the delusion that doesn't comprehend the idea of sharing, the idea of, of, of uh, well, also of, of being content, of, of happiness. So you could argue that Buddhists should not focus on the environment. They should focus on themselves and on each other and on humans. Because if humans were better, uh, we would not be in this mess. But, and, and I think this is where we uh, sometimes fail. We, with our narrow-minded, almost blinded focus on personal development and on helping other people develop, um, we can easily uh, become selective in our practice, in our in our mental development, and so with the given that environmental degradation as it's happening all over the world it, it really is incredible how we're destroying the environment if you're interested in that sort of thing um, that there's no question that we're failing as as human beings in 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 reducing greed anger and delusion okay that's a given so the question of or, or in regards to how Buddhists are doing, with a focus often on self on, on personal development, we miss many of the uh, greed, anger, and deluded delusion-based activities that we also perform. What I mean to say is that when you get into a life of waste, which many Buddhists are, and and if you go to Heavily, pop, heavily Buddhist populated areas of the world, like um, Thailand, Sri Lanka, Burma, China, there is often a callous indifference to nature um, by, by Buddhists and an ignorance, not just of environmental issues, but an ignorance of how one's own activities are based on greed, anger, and delusion. We take for granted our use of water, our incredible waste of water. You know, we are not mindful, and we're not mindful in ways that Buddhists in the time of the Buddha were. You see, we've come so far, and we've become so entrenched in waste uh, that it seems normal, and that we've uh, we've completely ignored, often even as Buddhist monks. The, the ways of, of the Buddha and his followers. Like a really classic example that people bring is um, when, when robes were offered to monks in the time of the Buddha. Uh, Ananda once received 500 robes or something. I mean, they use this word 500, so I don't know if that was exactly. It was a lot of robes. 
it's not hard to think. It was a king that offered 500 robes. And he, he, he gave to his ministers or someone to go, go and offer these robes to the monk. And the, the, the person who was charged with the task thought, oh, well, Ananda's a good monk. I'll just give all 500 to him. And the king was very angry. He heard about this and he's, he was angry not with his, his, uh, his minister, the person who was charged with the task, but he was angry with Ananda for accepting the robes. And so he went to Ananda and he said, what are you doing accepting all these robes? How can you be so greedy? Uh, and Ananda said, oh, well, there are a lot, I know lots of monks. <laughs> Ananda was, was quite popular. And he said, I'll use these monks and give, I'll use these robes and go and give them to all the monks who, who need robes. Ananda was famous for taking care of other monks and, and going around and finding monks who need robes. And he said, and the king said, well, but those monks surely already have robes. What are they going to do with those robes? And Ananda proceeds to answer the king's questions. He said, with, with those old robes, well, they'd cut them up and make smaller, the lower robes, which are smaller, and their older lower robes they then cut up and make into bandages or, or different kinds of cloth, accessory cloths. And then uh, they, their old accessory cloths and bandages they would pull apart and use for patches. They would cut apart and use to patch up robes. And their old patches, if they had any, they would, they would pull apart and make thread out of. And the old thread they would, that they had that, that was being replaced, they would use to uh, make bricks. They would pound it up with clay and use it to build monasteries. And the king was so impressed that he gave Ananda 500 more robes. Uh, it's a classic story, I think, of... of, of uh, what's this word? Uh, the efficiency, and it's not the right word, but how um, sort of contentment and, and the, the use of resources is the point in Buddhism. Uh, you know, in the uh, Buddhist monks were very conscientious of wasting water, of cutting down trees, uh, and that sort of thing. I mean, I don't think they were obsessed and, and uh, environmentalist in that sense, but they were conscientious and conscious of it, and most importantly, conscious of the relationship between environmental degradation and uh, our minds. So. In modern times, you know, what we see is, is all of us, even as Buddhists, are incredibly wasteful. We waste food, we waste water, we waste electricity. We waste a lot. And so the point of this, this is the first part. And the first part, as I said, was, is, is somewhat, uh, it might seem somewhat banal and almost uh, unimportant from a Buddhist perspective. As I said, Buddhists, we often rush ahead and say, let's just do, do the important stuff of, you know, I have mental issues that I want to deal with. But I think it's important, not of ultimate concern, but important for us as, as Buddhist, Buddhists living our lives to be conscientious of the environment and conscious that uh, the degradation that we see is directly related to our greed, anger, and delusion. And so when we say that the nature is something separate from humans, we have to remember that that's an artificial separation. 
And that just because it's not human doesn't mean it's not affected by our actions. And doesn't mean that we're not affected by it, by our interactions with it. So recognizing the greed involved with wasting water and just the, the deluded nature of how you how you don't care about what you're doing. You don't not, not recognizing what you're doing. How you're uh, you're using not what is necessary, but what you want. When we take long hot showers and so on, the environmentalist would say you're wasting electricity and you're destroying the environment. But the Buddhist should say not only that you're do you're doing it, you're, you're you're greedy about that shower. You're attached to the hot, pleasant sensation of the shower. Uh, but also that that's going to be reflected in your environment. One of the problems with greed, oh, the problem with greed and, and anger and delusion, of course, is they lead to suffering. And one of the direct examples of this that I think we have to be clear of, we want to talk about karma and people are always asking about, what is karma? How can you show it? The degradation of the environment is a clear example of the results of our karma. There's no question of that. So environmentalism and environmental protectionism and, and sustainability and so on is a Buddhist issue in the sense that it is a clear example of the results of unwholesome karma, unwholesome activity. Something for us to keep in mind. We should not ignore or neglect environmental issues thinking that it's only uh, about the mind. We should, we should put them in their right place in terms of the results of unwholesomeness and uh, our, our living in this time is a sign of our own uh, you know, attachment to this sort of state and, and our deserving this sort of state because of our own greed and delusion. It's something for us to be mindful of, to be conscious of, and conscientious of our activities. If everyone did this, if everyone was conscientious about environmental issues, and, and conscientious to the point where we understood that these actions are based on greed, these actions are based on anger, our relationship with, with the environment in terms of wasting is, is completely Buddhist in the sense of being unwholesome. And if we, if we were to think in that way and be conscientious, I mean, I think it would expand our practice. It would help us see aspects of our practice that we're missing. Oh yes, I'm clinging to this wonderful warm shower, etc., etc. Right? Clinging to almond milk apparently is one. We here at the center we have almond milk, and I wanted to talk to our people about it. I mean, I don't think you have to be uh, obsessed with learning about these things, but it's an example of how our society has become quite wasteful because apparently almonds are a terrible thing to be uh, harvesting for their milk. They use a lot of water. That was the idea. So you might say, well, that's that's really so far from, and you're thinking, Bhante, you never talk about these sorts of things. You never have before have delved so far from meditation practice. Well, I was, in, I, was, I was driven to do this based on requirements for some study I'm doing at this university. Sort of, this is the end. You know, after this, I can go back to the forests on my own. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think... I'm going to be met with much uh, contention here. I think all of you are, are this sort of sensitive sort of person who respects the environment. 
I mean, there are many other reasons for respecting it in terms of our ability to have forests for people like us to go back to and meditate in, right? The Buddha, even in his time, he complained. He said, it's hard to find peaceful forests. If you look in India now, a lot of India, the forests, I think, have just been cut down. And too many people, right? And not enough consciousness and conscientiousness in terms of uh, not acting in ways, you know? I mean, when you clear a forest, it's, it's, it's generally out of greed. You know, you don't have any need to do it. But if I do it, I can make a lot of money, you know, growing these, these crops and so on. I can better my position. You know? So it's, it's part and parcel of this. If we were to be more conscientious, we wouldn't have to worry about the environment. This is true. Um, but we have to look at it as connected. There is a connection between the nature of the environment and our meditation practice, the state of the environment. And to the extent that we are... Um, contributing to that it, it does uh, relate to our meditation practice because it's based on greed, anger and delusion okay, so that's the first part I have two more things to say about nature that aren't so much related to climate change and so on, they're more Buddhist and you've probably heard me say things like them before but I gave this talk recently at, at the center in one part, I didn't go in quite so much detail when I gave the talk here but I'm also trying out this new device. It makes it a lot easier for me to to stream. So I know the quality's not very good, but I don't mind. And uh, if you mind, you can just be mindful of it. Uh, and, and so it, it also means that I'll probably be able to do more videos. Uh, I, I'm thinking that I might look through the questions that people have asked, and instead of doing Q&A sessions, I'll just whenever I have time I'll do a video on a question I'll pick up a question and I'll say hey someone asked this question and I'm going to I'm going to answer it now one video one question which was really the, a lot of people were commenting that that's what they prefer I mean I agree one video per question is a much better format because then you can search them and, and so on okay the other thing is I can see, even on this little device, I can see your comments flashing up on my screen. They're, they overlay my video. It's just really, this is really a great way to, to, to do this. So It's all good. 71 people, I can see there's 71 people watching, which is, well, it's inspiring. Thank you all for your interest in Buddhism. And uh, I put this as a call to everyone to be more conscientious and to do our part with the environment, not to become obsessed with it, of course, not to let it distract us from what's really important, but to recognize the connection and recognize that we do kind of have a duty, even outside of our practice, to conserve the environment simply because it allows us to continue practicing. It allows our children uh, and, and the people who come after us, who are often us, right? If we're dying or reborn as human, well, we got to come back and deal with all the crap that we've we've left, right? This is the thing that politicians and, and uh, business people don't understand. Oh, yes, maybe a hundred years there'll be problems. That's okay, I'll be dead. So, oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> you'll be born again. You'll, you'll get to inherit your own mess, most certainly. We are, the Buddha said, we inherit our karma, and this is a big part of it. We'll inherit the environment as well.
So something, you know, that makes it important, not just because it relates to our practice, but because it allows us to practice. A healthy environment is in, is in the texts as an important part. You know, they don't spell it out in terms of having healthy trees and healthy air, because it wasn't a problem back then. But having a clean environment and, and a suitable environment is important. So that's uh, the relating of Buddhism to nature. And I'm done. Now I've got to figure out how to stop this. Maybe the X does it. Are you sure you want to stop streaming? Okay. All the best, everyone.